It is Tuesday, March 21st, 2017, and you are listening to episode 68 of Roll Up and Die. better believe it. Oh, recording. Oh. oh. I am uh I'm sucking on a fisherman's friend tonight, guys. I'm I'm feeling a little under the weather. <laughs> Did you, you... <laughs> Wait, hang on. Let's All right, so put a stop to everything else. Let's rewind. What the hell is a fisherman's friend? Okay, so Alex, you got to know. I, 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 I know. I know what it is, but it still sounds funny. It does. It, it, it it's does. a it's a particular type of cough uh, cough drop. Okay, uh, it's but it's like effective. all right. So you know, like when you usually when you when you take a Ricola or whatever, and there's yeah. there's part <laughs> there's part like tastiness, Matt, and then part crappiness. It's like, like there's the there's drop. the sweetness, and then there's kind <laughs> yeah. of the medicinal quality. Yes, right, exactly. Right. It's yeah, all yeah. medicinal. It's all okay, so the it's like, menthol type of. It, but it's it, like yeah, this, the good shit. Like when you're when yeah. you're when you have it in your oh, mouth, oh you're God. like, "This is working. This is working." It's called yeah, fisherman's this, friend because fishermen, I guess, have to be out on the water for a long period. That makes of time, sense. And I guess that makes it's, sense. it's like a nuclear warhead right to your nostrils. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've ever watched uh, the Deadliest Catch or anything like that, when they're I mean, they, they have like 30, 40 hour days where they have to be out just moving these massive crab pots or, or pulling these massive nets. And they have to work their entire year's worth of salary, like within a few month period, oh, right. you yeah. know, within yep. two or three months. They get, they get paid really well, but they have to work like you wouldn't believe to get that. Right. Yeah. Then, then they have the rest of the year kind of off or, you know, whatever. But, the, you know... The the work they put in is just in, is is so intense and and it's and dangerous. It's true for almost well yeah oh yeah hugely dangerous and it's and it's true for almost any kind of fishing but particularly when you look at like the crab fishermen in the uh, um, in the Alaskan in the Alaskan Sea and all that it's just really crazy amount of yeah. of work and danger that's involved. See, I, I whenever I get cough drops, I used to get the they were called like the um, fruit breezers and they were delicious. Oh and, yeah. like There oh, came yeah. a certain point where I was like. <laughs> eating one one time and i was like hold up this is candy like I, like yeah this is not a cough drop this is candy and i like it's not it's doing nothing for me aside from just i'm not coughing because yeah, i have yeah. something in my mouth and that's about it you're, you're hacking up a lung and you get diabetes like right yes boom. right well it's like those old home remedies they used to make like i i had this old book that that, that showed a lot of home remedies for like from the uh late 19th century early 20th century and and these are for like kids, like you know, five year old, ten year old, and they say, you know, you take take two shots of whiskey. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's like the first ingredient. It's uh-huh. like, Jesus, no one, no wonder kids didn't remember their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad, I think I might have a scratchy throat. <laughs> Can I get my medicine. Uh, make All me right. one while you're at it, son. Have right. some have some ether, Johnny. <laughs> Sorry, but your mother's your mother can't help you. She's off on the cocaine right now. <laughs> Don't hold the rag too close to your face; it'll kill you. <laughs> I, I had to explain what ether was to my kids the other day because uh, Good. I was Good. taking it. Nice. No, actually, we were watching uh, a Sherlock Holmes, and it was uh, the original BBC ones with uh, Jeremy Brett. 
uh, which, by the way, if, if anyone is a Sherlock Holmes fan, he is the Sherlock Holmes. There is no other. Don't even argue. Anyway, he uh, <laughs> at, they they have to do an operation on this on this woman, and and they you know they put the little mask over her face, and they and they start you know dripping the 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 ether out of the bottle onto the onto the mask, and the kids were asking what that you know what they were doing, and I was trying to explain to them about ether and how it's dangerous, and we don't do that anymore, et cetera. So, right, uh, yeah, the, I I remember seeing a Curious George page, uh, <laughs> and he was drunk and he had ether no it was a t-shirt it was a t-shirt that a kid at my high school had that's what it was he it was a he was curious george but he was laying down and he was just wasted and in his hand there was a bottle that said ether and and i and i i remember that not phasing me and i don't and that phases me <laughs> good lord yeah so i had a banter topic that i kind of wanted to uh, jump into just for a little bit yeah okay over the last couple of days i've been able to mm-hmm. Uh, hang out with my grandfather and my dad multiple days in a week, which is not not that abnormal, but mm. multiple days in a row is pretty is pretty unusual. But it's been really yeah. cool. <clears throat> and one mm-hmm. of these things that I've wanted to do forever is just have a conversation with my grandfather or with my you know dad about history because. I've mm-hmm. become such a fan of history over the past two years, and only yeah. recently, though, ha- has my interest been about history that's recent, World War II, Cold War, that sort of history, that my parents mm-hmm. and grandparents lived through. And this is my last grandfather. So for the last two days, I got to have a conversation with him about World War II, about the Soviet Union, about the Cuban Missile Crisis, just weird things. Mm-hmm. And I got to record it on my phone. And this banter topic, it's not, you know, I don't, this, I don't want to tell you about the stories that we talked about. That's not the point of this. The point mm-hmm. is that whoever you know <clears throat> that lived during a time before you, before now, get with mm-hmm. them and talk with them and ask them questions and record it because, you know, someday those stories are going to stop happening. And so I just wanted to bring that up. And I wanted to ask you guys, <laughs> like, if you have any, um, I don't know, elders in your family or something that you've been able to uh, ever talk to about <laughs> the past and, and what did they what did they say? Yeah, I uh, when I was in middle school, or I guess it was, this may have been late elementary school, but we had to do a report on um, one of our grandparents and we basically had to go talk with them. And um, so I went and met with my uh, maternal grandfather and uh, I brought a little tape recorder and this was an actual tape recorder it had the little tape in it and everything and he had to rewind it and everything and so i brought that with me and um i talked with him about his life and um, his parents were missionaries he was actually born in china and grew up in china um and uh oh wow so experienced that culture and then um when he was uh older he joined the air force and he was in the air force uh, during korea and he wasn't a pilot, but he was a uh, mechanic. And mm. he told me this story. We were sitting at like a Red Robin, and uh, he told me this story about how every morning he would sit and he would watch the planes that he just worked on fly away, knowing some of those guys aren't coming back. Like, mm-hmm. I know for a fact yeah. that some of those guys that I just like fixed their planes and got them on their way are not coming back today. They're going to die out there. And like yeah. hearing him talk about that was like, Oh, whoa. Like I was in elementary school and it was like the gravity of it just like hit me. And it, I still remember that to this day. I remember it really vividly. And 
I absolutely agree. Like if you have a, a grandparent or just, you know, a friend or someone in your family that has lived through, you know, historic events like that, um, or even just, you know, had a fairly mm. mundane life, it's like they have so many interesting stories and they've lived through so many yeah. different eras, you know, yeah. and they have so many, so much insight on today because they have a context around everything, you know? And, and, uh, and always be ready to weed through the occasional mm. strange racist remark. That's like, <laughs> yes, you're like, I'm pretty definitely. sure I'm yeah. pretty, people don't say that anymore. Those Grandpa. Japs. Those yeah, Japs. exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, <laughs> okay, all right, grandpa. <laughs> Those crowds, damn it. <laughs> we, yeah, well, uh, yeah. we don't really say that anymore, but, uh, <laughs> like, listen, yeah, we're grading on a curve, well, though. Well, it's your lucky well, day, Granddaddy. <laughs> we're grading on a curve. Oh, that's fine. Well, the, the scary part is I, I'm becoming the one to be interviewed because I'm I'm over fifty now. I you know I I, I was an adult that when 9/11 happened. Well, I was an adult when 9/11 happened. Okay, and and to me it feels like not that long ago, but that was that was fifteen years ago now. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. So yeah. Now, so now there are teenagers who were born after 9/11. Oh my God! Don't who, who, Alex, who, who, don't say that. People getting people getting drafted <laughs> into the NFL soon. Who who don't who weren't there for it? You know, I I was living in Massachusetts at the time, and I, and I remember my friend called me he's 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 this friend who always calls me when there's big news because i never watch the news so he always calls me when there's news so uh, i know if he hasn't called me nothing big has happened so so he calls me to tell me that you know that a plane crashed into one of the buildings and and you know uh, of course at that point it was just you know oh well, that's a terrible tragedy it was, must have been an accident or whatever and and so i turn it on you know and it's and it's live just as the other one hits you know the second one and so it's like you know really a, a dramatic event but yeah. you know now now we realize it's that was 15 years ago already yeah and now there 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 are people there are kids who are teenagers now that that's yeah. that's the his, that's history to them here's, yeah. here's you know? one here's one little weird thing there are people who who don't know what it's like to meet your family member at the gate yeah. at the airport yeah like that oh yeah that that true. kind of blows yeah. my mind right I, I, it's one of those little things that you just kind of forget <laughs> yeah it's funny I, when i was 19 i went i went to hawaii um, I was supposed to go with my girlfriend, uh, but she uh, she dumped me before I could tell her the surprise that I had got us tickets to go oh, to Hawaii. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I, so instead of two of us going for one week, I went for two. <laughs> so that's a good so, way to get over her. <laughs> that's it. But the funny part is, and it's only funny looking back on it, because when I was coming back, you go through uh, a kind of customs. You know, I mean, it's still you're going from U.S. to U.S., but you're still, you know, uh, uh, traveling over, you know, from the from the Pacific and all this. And, and uh so they're asking you, it's like, uh, they're going down the list. Do you have any, uh, uh, you know, perishables? Do you have any of these? Like, no, no, no. Uh, do you have any bombs? No. Uh, weapons? No. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> they just ask you. Like, yep. <laughs> do you have any bombs? Oh, bombs. Yeah, yeah. I, I, got, oh. I got a couple of those. Uh, I picked them up at the, huh. you know, at the, at the corner store. Is that not okay? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Just, you know, don't turn them on. You'll be fine. My dad tells me stories about times when he was driving under the influence. No, no, he wasn't doing this. I can't believe I, I'm throwing him under a bus here. Uh, back when he was a teenager, and the police officer would say, hey, I'll follow you home. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. Yeah. crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I, mean, I grew up in the, in, in the 70s, so, you know, I, I was in grammar school and junior high in the 70s anyway. And so... Yeah, it was it was definitely a very different time. Time before th things you don't things you take for granted now, like uh, automatic, you know, ATMs. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, re be able to record video, the internet, <laughs> arcades, <laughs> no internet. man, like arcades. home computers, you know, just 
it's, yeah. it's, it's really startling when you really stop to think about how different it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what I call a banter tangent or a bangent or a tanter. <laughs> a tanter. <laughs> T- uh, TM. Yeah. Dumb. But uh, anybody, any, <clears throat> anybody at all for a segue? Let me think. Anybody want to rise to the occasion? <laughs> anybody want to take action? <laughs> you've done it. By God, you've done it, Baka. Well done by Joe. The voices you're about to hear are not figments of your imagination. Sorry. Okay, all right, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Roll Up and Die, your definitive RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And today we are back with our next episode on narrative structure in RPGs. We've talked about That's right. intros. We've talked about the exposition, and now mm-hmm. we're going to talk about what I think is the most important, the rising action. Hmm. Yeah. Now, because we always start with uh, somebody else that's not me being really super <laughs> smart about this and defining <laughs> what it is we're talking about, I am going to yield the floor to either of the other two people on this recording. Alex, you want to take this or you want me to do it? <sighs> uh, no, it's, it's you. so uh rising action i actually i agree with you barker i think rising action is uh you know the most important aspect of the narrative structure because it's it's most of it like it's it's the story the rising action is the things that happen it's the events uh that see the characters through the story um and it rising towards a climax so the rising action is essentially everything that happens in your story. If you're looking at the original right. Star Wars movie, the rising action is, you know, uh, Luke meeting Ben, his, you know, aunt and uncle getting killed, leaving Tatooine, you know, mm. going to Alderaan, it's destroyed, the Death Star, and then blowing <clears> up the Death Star. Like, the, bl- the explosion of the Death Star is the climax of the movie. So the rising action yeah. is pretty much everything that happens before then, after the exposition where the world is established, and Luke's sort of... Mm-hmm plight is established after we see him you know at the table you know i'm never gonna get out of here you know biggs was right that sort of stuff like that's your exposition (laughs) and then the rising action is boom the story has started we are now in it the character is involved let's go it's it's almost like things just continue the plot continues to thicken it's almost like the thickening plot phase yeah, um, you're you're letting it reduce on the stove maybe adding a little (laughs) flour getting it nice and thick Putting a little, maybe, maybe some, uh, what's the other thickening agent that I'm thinking of? Cornstarch. Cornstarch. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you both. You're welcome. You're um, welcome. That's why we have you here on the podcast, Matt Click. <laughs> uh, for my, <laughs> cooking my knowledge cooking of, expertise. Uh, my knowledge of English writing and cooking, not RPGs. Yes. Magnificent. Well, the thing that I think doesn't translate very well into RPGs from the actual narrative structure is if you if you actually Google you know the the narrative structure the exposition mm-hmm. the rising action if you look at the the diagram of it, it it's kind of deceptive because at the beginning it has all exposition right and then and then you have the rising action and then you have the climax and then the falling action and then kind of the conclusion but not all of your game sessions at the beginning of the campaign should be exposition. So it's almost like 
instead of applying this one arc in, it, to your campaign and say, I'm going to have one rising action for the entire campaign, it's almost like every session should be a little story arc, a little narrative uh, structure. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think that that's sort yeah. of like you can look at it in the grand scheme of a campaign in that traditionally like in a campaign you're rising towards something if you're going with an arc you know whether it's a showdown with a big villain or the resolution of a a major arc but every scene in a movie has its rising action and falling action every session in an rpg campaign has its rising action and its falling action so these can be applied in different sort of scales i guess yeah 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 for sure well i guess one one way to put it uh to describe kind of what i'm thinking is a good way to think about your rising action your increasing the intensity thickening the plot of the game is kind of like turning up the volume a little bit and yeah. and mm-hmm. you turn it up to three okay then you turn it down to two right you, you and then you turn it up to six and then you turn it down to four and then you turn it up to yeah. eight and you just keep getting more and more and more and that's the overall campaign but each individual yeah. turn of the knob is an individual session is that yes. is, yeah. is, is, so what sort of plot thickening advice can we give to help people in any session any no matter no matter what campaign mm. they're running <clears throat> any session thicken the plot make it make the game more <laughs> interesting in some global way well we had sort of mentioned you know we, we talked about star wars and and uh that that's a a perfect example of that uses the hero's journey yeah um and so I, I i tend to look at look at the campaign like that as as much as possible um because again as 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 a as a gm you're only uh somewhat in charge of that <laughs> you know ultimately you know the, the players have a lot to say about it but but if you look at the hero's journey i think um, the rising action sort of begins to take place after you cross the threshold. Right. And, and what that is, is that takes place after, you know, you, like you said, you establish the ordinary world. Then you have this call to adventure. You have, um, you have some sort of mentor or, uh, someone who advises you like, you know, Ben Kenobi or Merlin or, you know, wh- whoever the, the, this, this, this wise uh, or Gandalf, uh, a wise individual who sort of um, sets you on your way, or yeah, um, uh, it can even be something from the past. But but then you cross the threshold into this other world, and I think that's where, for me anyway, the rising action generally begins because that's when you you you, you you're outside your comfort zone. You've you've left you know you've left the Shire now. Yeah, you know you're you're yeah. in the you're in the wilderness, and and then 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 threats begin to build up, and that's when you go through that sort of roller coaster of you know. Uh, like uh, ah, it's the ring wraiths. Okay, they're gone. And uh, uh, ah, it's orcs. Okay, they're gone now. And uh, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you keep going through that 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 um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? That sort of um, volume turning up thing. That I mean, you could piggyback on what I said. You could do that, Alex. What do you think of my idea that I said earlier? It's up to you. It is sort of a it's a that it's works. a it's a that breathing works. in and a breathing out. It's like an up yeah. and down sort of sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. It, we'll go with the breathing it, in and breathing weird. out. I see how it is. It's no, weird. that's fine. But the, <laughs> We're going to no, use my metaphor. Damn I'm it. kidding. I actually, I kind of like that one better because you know you. I don't know. I I like it. Just use your metaphor. Just use whatever metaphor you like. It's fine. Yeah. Pick one yourself, <laughs> but, listeners. Listen, we don't that's we right. don't discriminate against metaphors here. We are accepting of all metaphors. We are roll up and die. Now similes. Those sons of bitches no, can get out. They get, out get turned away at the door. <laughs> they get turned away at the door. Like the thing as like- <laughs> if. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> the thing I like about the hero's journey though is everyone's familiar with it, and yeah. and it's because it's been so, it used a lot, and it's not really a trope because it's not really a specific uh, story. It's not a specific set of things, but it's more of a framework. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and it, it just works really well for, um, you know, it can work well for an individual, but it can also work well for a campaign, and so. Um, you know, once you cross that threshold, you've left your comfort zone. Now you're in this other world and you begin to sort of experience things you haven't experienced before. And as you know, you experience greater threats, you learn more about the greater world around you. You learn more about, um, other threats that exist beyond that. And, and all this tension is building up and building up, you know, approaching that, that climax. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that somebody could wrap in the like a traveling section of a campaign like what's what something that's usually perceived as kind of boring and usually skipped over do you think someone could actually use that oh yeah as a rising action because that's you know Absolutely. like you mentioned leaving the shire you know uh, leaving yeah. tatooine these are all departure stories that initiate yeah. the rising action yeah i mean if you look at lord of the rings i mean um so much of it is is a traveling story, you know. Frodo, Frodo and Sam heading to Mordor. It, it's it's all traveling, really, yeah. you know. But it, the the type of traveling it is, the pressure that they're under, uh, all the things happening around them, all add to that tension. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of biased in that right now because I'm also working on you know gaming material that involves journeying. You know, what what is it like to travel through the wilderness? What is it like to travel? You know, even just on roads on. Um, when you go off-road, when you go through completely unexplored territory, and, and what are you likely to to experience? What are, what are you likely to expect uh, from that? And and making it interesting rather than just saying, oh, okay, so you, you travel eight days and uh, uh, nothing happens, and then uh, you get there. You know, yeah. It, you know, th- th- there are times when when a travel montage is fine, but. Why not make it part but, of the campaign? Right. Like, why not? Why yeah, not right. divide exactly. it up into three episodes <clears throat> about a, a rigorous journey through the woods? You know, I mean that. Yeah, that's right. There are tons of options. Uh, you know, that was that was one of the things that I thought. Yeah. You know, The Hobbit is a good representation of an of an RPG because yeah. they spend so much time in 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 certain places. Uh, like uh, for instance, in the in in Mirkwood in in the hobbit i hate yeah. to bring up the the hobbit movies because they pain me a little bit but <laughs> they're, they're so good yeah i know <laughs> because they're um, cuz it's it hurts so good it does it does <laughs> oh, but but yeah why i've i've always that's kind i'm trying to make that a philosophy of mine you know if yeah. if, in, if we're going to travel a, uh, you know through a a desert that is barren and it's difficult to survive in you know we're not going to make that you know, a week uh, of yeah. you know passed by time that we're just going to skip over in a five minute Dorito break. Are you kidding me? You know that's yeah. that is what it, that is your campaign writing itself. And you know what else yeah. that's doing? That is buying you three sessions worth of time to think about what you're going to do when they get out of the desert. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But but there's so much that can happen too. I mean, if this rising action is building tension, then some of that is is really getting them to experience the world. And, and using your example of the desert, if they're forced to go into a desert, let's say they're, they're, pat, they're crossing this, this, you know, it's either like the hard, uh, hard pan, just salt desert that just drains the moisture out of you or, or this post-apocalyptic. I'm, I'm thinking like nuclear yeah. fallout. That's where my mind is. That, that, that's what it feels like. I mean, if you've ever seen any of de- these deserts, it looks like what a world would look like, um, 
you know, uh, post-apocalypse. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's, you know, one of those hard pan deserts or whether it's, you know, a sea of these, these dunes that you have to cross over, that just seems unending. Um, if you can get the, 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 the players to sort of experience that a little bit, then it can make even the most, you know, uh, uh, you know, mundane journeys seem epic, you know, crossing these dunes and the sweat and, and, uh, and, and showing how it, it, it wears on them and how their food is, is disappearing and how their water is disappearing. And, and there's still no sign of these mountains and, Mm -hmm. and they could die in the middle of this desert if they don't make it. And, and just, you know, um, and then suddenly they're attacked by something that's been following them, you know, just building that sort of tension, um, through that, through the traveling, I think for me is, is, is a great part of that rising action. Yeah, for sure. That's something I really liked about the, uh, adventures in middle earth, you know, fifth edition mm. supplement was the, yeah, the emphasis on the journey and all the different traveling events that would happen. Like a, you know, mm-hmm. a session of that is it's a journey. It's not going from one yep. destination to the other. It's all about what happens between those two destinations, which I really like. Yeah, that was, that was, that was I love, I love what they did with that. Yeah, for sure. The, thing I think that ties rising action to exposition and all the other subjects we've talked about mm-hmm. has been uh, not just increasing the tension or thickening the plot in these simple mm-hmm. kind of small single session ways that I c- kind of started us on, but the plot as a whole. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask for something that might not exist, but <laughs> is, is there a way we can come up with like some sort of cheaters cookie cutter way to immediately increase the tension, thicken the plot and move the plot line, move the storyline on to the next level of the rising action. Like what sort of advice can we give to help people increase the tension easily in the entire campaign? Not just a, not just a session. I think having things happening in the background at all times is really important. This is something you talk about a lot, Barker, like making sure that, your villains and the antagonists and the other forces at work in your world are actively doing things while the party is off doing something else and making sure that the party is aware of that, you know, dropping little hints here and there, having them encounter, you know, minions of the villain or whatever, or seeing, you know, the aftermath Mm -hmm. of the, of the antagonist's work, um, making sure that that's a constant threat and a constant reminder, um, will actively sort of lend itself to a, a, a big scale rising action over the course of, you know, a few yeah. sessions rather than a single one. Uh, mm-hmm. In the first Provokers campaign, <clears throat> like the Provokers were in this dwarven city and they were told that, you know, they had 30 days until this enemy army arrived at this city. And I ended a session with a messenger arriving and saying like, hey, yeah. they're at the city. And the Provokers being like, oh, what? what? <laughs> like they're there early. So... <laughs> Uh, like doing things like that is a really good way because it's like, you know, if you're, if you're traveling between towns and you're, you know, interacting with NPCs and stuff like word gets around, people would hear about things. And so sort of leaking information to your players about the things that are going on and the events that, you know, pose a very real danger to them and, and other people is a really good way of just like continuously ramping up that tension. Yeah. And, and, and keep in mind that it doesn't have, uh, you know, for people listening, it doesn't have to be that. Uh, epic. Oh yeah, to be a good story, you know. Yeah, true. getting word from from your your village <laughs> that 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 there have been soldiers asking about you, and 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 the item you're carrying, or you know whatever it can be. You know that th- it can be just you know it can be very personal. Um, 
you know, the the bounty hunters have been, um, you know, you you start seeing bounty posters around about you, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, those kind of things can also right. add that kind of uh, uh, pressure build up as you're heading for the, you know, the ultimate climax. Yeah, for sure. I think. That's um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna. I was gonna change the topic. So you go ahead, Barker. <laughs> well. Me too. So you oh, go great. ahead, Matt. Okay, how about <laughs> I'll go move. over here. I'll go over <sighs> here with my topic. You go over there with yours. Okay, no, all right. Something I was going to say is um, it's really, it's easy to feel like if you're wanting, you know, rising action and you're wanting the tension to to continuously <clears throat> rise that there's <clears throat> that that inclination to keep doing things bigger and bigger and bigger every session yeah. and to never let up and never give the players or the characters any sort of respite from what's happening Mm -hmm. and i think that that's that's a mistake and and like we mentioned earlier there's ups and downs you know in in the lord of the rings they stop in rivendell and rest you know that's right yeah make sure that you're not just hammering away at the players and just uh like the 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 rising action is so effective because of those moments of respite and Mm -hmm. rest and quiet you know like you can't have you know darkness without light or you know loudness without quiet like you have to you have to balance it out to a certain point. And so that's one, another tip that I would give is like, get away mm-hmm. from that inclination of like, um, what was that phrase? Tim was doing a live stream and somebody in the comments used this phrase and I loved it. Spectacle creep, letting spectacle mm-hmm. creep into your campaign where it's like, okay, well last session I had them jumping off of an airship and fighting yep. orcs in midair. I got to do it bigger and better in the next session. Yeah. It's like, no, no, there's no, there's no reason to have to do it bigger and better every session. That's yeah. Right. Like a good example is uh challenge rating. You know, when I'm saying turn up the, mm-hmm. the volume a little bit, I don't mean turn up the challenge rating. I don't mean, Oh, now we got to face a dragon because if you, <laughs> yeah. if they, if the party faced a dragon last <clears throat> week, a big dragon, that's always the stereotypical mm-hmm. big monster that I, that I use, right. Or anyone uses mm-hmm. But uh, let's say they they fought one last week, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, I want to do it bigger this week. A human being accidentally kills somebody, maybe kills three people at once with powerful magic, looks surprised, and flees the village. That to me is more interesting than something that has just a a big challenge rating, you know, a larger mm-hmm. monster, yeah. you know, a more gargantuan version of the dragon. If you if you want to go big with monsters, go big with monsters, but be be sure to throw in some kind of more calm, investigative type of games in between, yeah. Because that's kind of that's the turning down a little bit, you know. Turning down yeah. doesn't mean losing interest; it just means looking at it through a different lens for a little while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think we talked about this before, where you can get uh, fatigued from too much, yes, you know, uh, stress or pressure or s- misery or whatever it happens to be. Too much, too much down, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's just too much down. <laughs> this campaign's yeah, a real drag, man. Well, yeah, and, and you get to the point where you get so you, you can literally get depressed. Now, now that can work sometimes. Uh-huh. I, I ran a campaign where they where the uh, the party w- was was in this place that was, that was supposed to be like that. And so they, you know, and and so I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it because they, they, uh, that was, that was kind of the nature of the place. And by the time they came out and they, and they, the first time they stepped out of, they, they ended up, uh, stepping through a gate and stepping out into fresh air and a green grass and a blue sky after being in this dark place that literally was, was, 
negative, negative energy, just sucking life out of you. And then you step into this place and it was like, uh, this, this breath of fresh air. And I, and I, and I, I took time to really write that scene because I knew it was so important to, to, to set that contrast of when they, you know, when they left that darkness and stepped out into the light that, that it was just such the, the, I wanted them to feel that sort of relief. Yeah, you know that they were finally yeah. out of it. Absolutely, and 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 now that was a a big situation, but but giving them that sort of that wave effect, you know, where you know, like like you said, Rivendell, like when they stop at Bjorn's, when they, um, you know, when they stop at at, at Lake Town to some degree, you know, and, and they have these 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 breaks between yeah. their ordeals, no, and then really finally important. they come they they come to Smog or they come to, you know, the the the, the you know, the Battle of the Pelennor Fields or whatever it happens to be that that is that climax for them, then it really feels, oh, this is different now. You know, this, this is the big one. Save, save that, 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 that really big jump in, in intensity for that climax. Because if you, if you, it's never good for a DM to climax too soon. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is, well, here's the, here's, here's some advice that, that's kind of built on that. It's almost like, to create a good rising action, you ironically have to look <clears throat> at the periods of inaction and put those yeah. strategically yes. through the game. Because anybody can create an encounter yeah. where you fight something. What's mm-hmm. better is to maybe if we're in the rising action period of your campaign, right? We're in the middle of your campaign mm-hmm. if you're looking at it that way. This is the period in between encounters to, sh- to, to, to allow the characters to explore how they've changed the world. This was advice that was originally given to me by Tim Carney when I uh, said to the winds after a few sessions, I said, hey, what do you guys want in the game? You know, what, what are you looking for? And he mm-hmm. said, I would like to see the, ro- the road that we traveled on in session three. Like, yeah. I would like to see the, you know, the Myra again and see how the town is because we, you know, kind of saved it from this, uh, assassin, you know, like uh, just, just see, show the characters how the world has gotten better because, uh, it will make how the world has gotten worse. Again, as we talk about this all the time in last episode, in this episode, the (laughs) mundane is what makes the exciting, exciting. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and it can be in subtle ways too, you know, um, uh, having an, having an NPC that you've, that you've encountered a few times, now gone because of something that happened, you know, yeah. um, uh, someone, you know, like uh, an innkeeper that, you know, that you keep going to, uh, describes how his, his son was killed in this distant place because this darkness is approaching or whatever it is, right. you know, the, these little bits of news, uh, uh, again, you know, trickling in can make all the difference. And, and by making it more personal connected to NPCs, they know, uh, it could be connected to their, their personal lives to places they've been, you know, and, and, and <clears throat> if you've had that low place now, imagine in, in like Lord of the Rings or, or the Hobbit, you know, them hearing that, that Rivendell has fallen, you know, you don't need to show a single thing about what happened. You don't need to talk about who died, who, you know, what happened there, but to say, but to say the phrase, you know, Rivendell has fallen to, you know, to the forces of Mordor yeah, would, would just be a powerful moment and, yeah. and to save those. And, but you couldn't have that if you didn't have that respite. Without at, the rest at, period. With kind yeah. of the sanctuary right. period as, as Age right. of Middle Earth would call it. Yeah, for sure. Right. Now, this is actually, this actually brings up a good point. This is a, an example of uh, 
sort of improper or poor use of the narrative structure. And mm-hmm. um, um, this is Tolkien himself did this in the Lord of the Rings books <laughs> after the ring is destroyed and the fellowship has finished their mission. Sauron is gone. We find out that mm-hmm. Saruman has taken over the Shire and has yes. enslaved hobbits. This happens in the books. They didn't include it in yeah. the movie. Because aside it's from the most little, weirdest, most anticlimactic thing ever. It's like we're in the falling action. <laughs> we're in the yeah. falling action. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, what? Little mini yeah. rising action. And yeah. then we're back into the falling action. And it's one of those things where it feels so weird because yeah. – even though real life doesn't follow a narrative structure, we're so used mm-hmm. to getting that in our fiction that yeah. when it isn't utilized in a good sort of balanced way, it 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 just jars us. It's we consider so it strange. bad it sometimes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally like that part because yeah. for me, it, it, in 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 the uh, in the story, it showed how much the hobbits had grown since they left. It's, yes, it's true. You know. And and that and that's what I loved about it. And and uh, yeah, from it definitely Tolkien didn't follow level, the typical. As a fan yeah, of ahead. Tolkien, the guy who wrote in the trenches of the Great War, I get mm-hmm. why that part is in there too. Like oh, I yeah. totally have absolutely yeah, tons of respect for for all everything in that book. I didn't mean I just, to interrupt I just you. Alex, bad mouth. I just bad mouth no, no, Tolkien okay. on an Tolkin, RPG Tolkien so. just <laughs> did. He's breakdancing in his grave right now. Yeah. No, and I do want to say that the, that, that makes logical sense that Saruman would go and do that. But at yeah. the same time, yeah. it is. It's one of those examples where the reason why it seems weird and off to us isn't because it doesn't make sense. It's because it goes against that rising action, falling action sort of structure right. that we're so used to in our fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I was going to bring up earlier, Matt, uh, when I allowed oh, you to go like first. this was like 30 years ago. I, yes, but I'm happy you went <laughs> for 30 years ago. <laughs> Delayed reaction joke. Delayed, that was, <laughs> short, that was a chicken bomb fuse joke. Um, basically, <laughs> the next episode on narrative structure is going to be about the climax of the game. Yeah. yeah. When the heroes meet the <laughs> villain or whatever, that final showdown mm-hmm. before the end of the campaign. And I don't want to jump into the climax at all, you know, <laughs> as as Alex said, not too soon. Yeah. But but I think, think that we should talk. Barker. That, yes. We should. <laughs> <laughs> skiing, skiing, <laughs> skiing. <laughs> you should know. But what I want to do, what I want to do is, is, uh, is spend a moment preparing for that like like actually actually going over ways to because you don't want to be like all right rising action rising action okay boom the villain shows up now this is the climax no this is the rising action you're you're rising and building towards a a singular moment and so if we're building towards it what's the final step before being able to say all right next session is the climactic session of the campaign i think at that point the the characters have to be aware of where they're going at that point because up until that point they may be they may be unaware of of their ultimate goal per se i mean they may have a, they may have a general idea we need to you know we need to stop this army we need to stop this villain or whatever but at i think it's i think it's the point where you know they say here's where the villain is we need to get him now you know that that decision yeah. that final decision i guess to to go into the tomb, go into the lair, go, go into know, the emperor's uh, uh, royal confront. chambers on the Death Star. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, to to decide that okay, it's you know now 
Now we have all the information we need. We've discovered that at this time he'll be vulnerable. This is our this is our one chance to take down, you know, this guy, and and you know, and we have a plan. And then that's where the session ends. And then the next session begins. Yeah. Uh, you know, the beginning of the climax when, you know, when they're going. When they're on that. the way to do that, when they're when they're already yeah. fighting, you know, in media res, <clears throat> tons of different ways, and and that's right. And, and, and you know, these something that I I liked that you said was that this is this is something that should happen by this moment. It's a fuse, yeah. and you control the length of it at all times. It's mm-hmm. it's you it's it's almost like you should keep a list of things that need to happen before the climactic point in the game. Things that need to happen. Because I've already set it up to happen earlier, mm-hmm. things that need to, you know, events that need to come around. And, and one of these, I think, kind of cheat sheet methods is to, especially later in the game, is to tie the villain to the characters somehow. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the most famous one, obviously, is in The Empire Strikes <clears throat> Back. Luke, I am your father. That is the, yeah. the climactic yeah. point of that movie. Um, but... The, the it's the rising action in the overall uh, story of all three movies. It's the part where mm-hmm. the 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 characters finally they they realize what is going to be at stake, and yeah. and what what's going on, and the and the audience sees it, and and at that point, the next session, you know, you can jump into the climax or or build more towards it, but tying right. the villain to the character somehow familial relationship yeah. ties uh maybe maybe uh, what's a uh, harry potter you mentioned you know he has a mm-hmm. tie with voldemort where you right. know that you know this the prophecy all of these things propel the game towards the climax yeah i mean it can be other things too like um the villain has decided to wipe out you know your homeland you know uh, you you've just received word that that his armies are are poised to you know, uh, uh, just burn, you, you know, your, your, your entire, the, the entire region where your village is that you came from, you know, that it, this, this is, this is ready to happen. It's all, it's, it's, unless you do something now to, to stop it, to stop, you know, his, his plans from, from coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. I think that, uh, this is, um, uh, a, a, almost an episode on tension, uh, you know, increasing, and and yeah. it's it it feels like a nice smooth yeah. um, exit from the last episode, which was about <laughs> fear. So, uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, ultimately creating these visceral emotional responses around the table is the goal, uh, because yeah. if yeah. your players don't feel it, the character sure as hell won't feel it. So, um, <laughs> oh, for sure. So, uh, do you guys want to take a question from the listeners? Let's do it. Yeah, why not? Okay, so today's question comes from a Nathan P. who asks, how do you ramp up tension in a more episodic campaign where the players are mostly going adventure to adventure rather than going through a more serialized story arc? Mm. I think we talked about this a little bit, but I think it's Mm. easier. I think it's easier to do it because you get a reset button at the end of every episode, at the end of every session, right? You, 
Uh, You can start over in the tavern in any way you want. Uh, You know, every single session you can create the tension in new ways. Maybe one session you start in media res. Maybe the other session you start at the tavern, but the the building next door explodes. You know, like there are a (laughs) lot of different ways to keep the tension high in different stories and take advantage of that would be my advice. Yeah. It depends how much the, the, the characters know as well. I mean, uh, you know, it like they might be going adventure to adventure dealing with problems. Like they're putting out these fires. Oh, you know, this, 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 these orcs are suddenly, you know, raiding over here. Uh, this, 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 the, this undead has, has attained power over here and they seem disconnected, but there are little clues that there's a bigger hand at work behind all this. And so if you have this, this, uh, this larger structure in place, then maybe your campaign doesn't, but if, if you, if you have a campaign that has the bigger structure, like we're talking about, then, then you want to make sure you leave little clues within that, like that, uh, that the big, that the big, uh, dark hand that's behind all this is affecting all these things. Yeah. And they, so they can sort of begin to put the puzzle together. Right. Well, wait, you know, they find a mysterious piece of paper that says, uh, (laughs) Uh, that has a single name on it or uh, a location or whatever it happens to be, but something that ties it into the final the final uh, outcome. Okay, think about the and, necromancer in The Hobbit. You know, you have all these little yeah, adventures yeah. happening around this thing, but that is the epicenter yeah. of it all. Yeah. Well, and, and ironically, uh, Tolkien had no idea when he wrote that that that, that was going to be... Sauron. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Interesting. He, he, he wrote the Hobbit before, you know, before. So he, he, you know, he ended up having to go back and, and rewrite some of that. But yeah, I mean, exactly. You set those, those little clues here and there, those breadcrumbs that, um, those can sort of be a buildup as well. Those rifles, you know, the Chekhov's yep. guns, man, that I talk about every episode, the rising action <laughs> is when they should be fired. You know, yeah, fire yeah. them in the rising action. Yeah. But I, I love that. I, I love that because it reminds me of yeah. shows like Battlestar Galactica, um, but more specifically Lost. You know, every every episode mm-hmm. is its own episode. Uh, even yeah. the, uh, there are other better examples as well. Um, every episode is its own standalone episode, but it's all seen in the broad spectrum of a, of a storyline that does change. You know, Star yeah, Trek: yeah. The Next Generation does that a, a, in a small way. Um, but even the most episodic campaigns can have long-running story arcs. Oh, absolutely. What you guys are saying is like using the narrative structures on a smaller scale, but then also thinking about how you can kind of pepper things throughout to give a mm. little bit of an arc to your campaign, I think is a smart way to do it. And now, Roll Up and Die presents An Idea You Can Steal. All right, so for today's idea you can steal, what do you guys think? Should we go around? Uh, it's another uh, meta episode, so yeah. maybe we could... Con- what do you think? <clears throat> it's always tough, man. So again, maybe yeah. we could come up with uh, a... a uh, Or go around and come up with three different immediate rising actions. If you're thinking, listen, I need to move this game into the next level right now, and I mean the campaign or or the session, whatever you prefer. What is something you can do? An example would be blow up a building, right? That is yeah. something you can do in your game at any point in an urban center. You can <laughs> blow up a building, and that will change the game, right? That will change yeah, the campaign. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. So, so what? Let's let's go around in a circle. Uh, I, I still don't have my D twelve. It's lost to the winds. <laughs> oh no! I got a D, I got a D six right here. I can. Thanks, do it. man. 
All right, one to two is Barker, three to four is Alex, five to six is me. That's a two, Barker. Uh, so blowing up a building is the... <laughs> no. You just stole your own idea you can steal. What? <laughs> um, it, is, it is a meta question. So. Tie your <laughs> villains to the characters. No, okay, so... Um, <clears throat> To think, to think about um, one way to immediately move the game on to the next level is actually it's going to start at the beginning of the game. At the beginning of the game, come up with an NPC that works for the antagonist or something, some sort of prisoner, some sort of, some sort of mm-hmm. character that, that is a neutral party uh, imprisoned by the enemy or um, imprisoned by you and have them escape at the beginning of the game. Right? They're, they're a nobody because, you know, they're, they're one of six different goblins that you're fighting at the beginning of the game. Uh, and, and then have them appear again at the end. Bring something mm. back from the past and throw it in the game right there. Yeah. That is an immediate way to insert attention increase into the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what cool. I would say. Take something from the past and plop it I down like it. in front of their faces. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. Indeed. Here we go. That's a four, so that'll be me. Weird. So, Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do um, put a magic item in your campaign that seems innocuous at first. It, you know, it might be a powerful magic item. It might give a little bit of a, uh, a benefit to one of the player characters, but set it up as sort of a, oh, yeah, it's kind of a cool magical item. And then sort of start dropping hints about it. And maybe later on in the campaign, Mm. it becomes something that the antagonist wants. Maybe it turns out that it's a sentient magic item that has a will of its own. It awakens. Um, It awakens Mm -hmm. or it's a piece of another really important artifact that you need. Um, Just something like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sort of of how Tolkien does with the one ring in The Hobbit that, that then becomes super important in Lord of the Rings. But maybe consider doing something like that with a, uh, sort of uh, unassuming uh, item of some kind that you give to the party. Mm. Awesome. I like it a lot. I like it. Ooh, Alex, I did it's that. you, man. Oh. Oh, my next? Whoa. Yeah. Oh, cool. I was going to suggest killing your mentor. In other oh, words, yeah. uh, using the, the hero's journey. Um, you know, you have this mentor who, who sort of, you know, uh, spurs you to action, whether it's a, a Gandalf or something like that. But they, 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 they sort of push you on and you spend – Early in the campaign, sort of, sort of building this guy up as this, you know, really powerful, you know, uh, uh, being, and you know they, they've been good to you, they're your mentor, and then kill them, because once you do that, you sort of establish, you know, now now the 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 the, the apprentice or the the student or the person that, that is being given this 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 great task is on their own, and 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 yeah, again. Uh, you know, using this using the Star Wars uh, storyline, when uh, when Ben is struck down by Vader, yeah, yep. you know, that was a great catalyst for Luke to, you know, to destroy the Death Star. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was that moment when he was on his own at that point. So yeah. I think by 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 killing the mentor, killing the one who who sent you on this on this mission is is a great way to sort of uh, bring it home, make it personal. And really show that this person you admire, this person who was so powerful, is now was now wiped out by this threat that you now face. They couldn't do it. How can you possibly do it? 
How, yeah. Oh man, that is dope. How, how about how about they are killed by a distant party party member's relative, uh, a party member's distant distant relative by a magic mm-hmm. item that blew up their building that they were in. That's what I <laughs> there think. There you go. There's there's your rising action, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Plug and play, yeah. roll up and die. That's how we are. Uh, what, and 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 for a bonus one, I would throw in betrayal. Like, uh, yeah. Have, yeah. If if you've had someone who has been your oh, yeah. your friend throughout this, and then and then they turn, either they were always working for the enemy, or maybe they were turned somehow. Betrayal, and, and, betrayed by yeah. an NPC from the past that you yeah. picked up from the past and re-put in the game. I mean, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Delayed fuse. <laughs> Guys, you, oh you guys my. are brilliant, man. This uh, I've been I've been working on the Winds of Sursaline campaign. I've I've if you check it, uh, be a better game master on Facebook. I've put up the the campaign notes, uh, just the the prep notes that I'm doing for public for the public to see the mad scientist kind of come out <laughs> in, and it, some of it doesn't even make sense. So you're gonna have to get used to that. Um, but I, I, this has been incredibly helpful. The, especially the ideas you can steal the questions that, uh, yeah. that everybody uh, on the Facebook page asks, but this is, you know, all of the narrative structure series, you guys are really excellent to listen to. And I, I learned quite a bit. Yeah. I was going to say that too. I mean, I, I always get so much out of these and, and whether it's something you guys say or something I say myself that I'm surprised by is like, wow. yeah, like, oh, wow. Did I say that? I should start <laughs> doing that advice I just gave. <laughs> <laughs> I should I start a podcast. I, <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually did that one time. I was listening to to one of our podcasts, and and uh, and here's some of the eyes. It's like, oh, did I say that? Holy, that wow. was a smart was thing of you. At that Alex. moment, yeah. <laughs> Who's this smart guy who sounds like me? That was a smart thing I just said. Barker put a, a goth nog <laughs> filter on Matt's voice. <laughs> <laughs> I must have been tired or something. I don't know. <laughs> No, I do that quite a bit as well. But um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Roll Up and Die. Thank you again, Matt and Alex. Uh, my name is Barker. Mm-hmm. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And we'll see you at the climax. Actually, next week we're talking about something else. But after that, we'll see you at the climax. <laughs> we're going to delay the climax a little while longer. <laughs> we're going to delay the climax a little while longer. <laughs> we are juveniles. We are children. (laughs) What you've just listened to has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2017. How official. The games, films, TV shows, and other stuff we talked about during this episode are the properties of their respective owners, so be sure to borrow nicely, okay? Any snippet, portion, clip, or other synonym for part of this show can absolutely be used in other media so long as credit is given to the Roll Up and Die podcast. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt can be found at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker can be found at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at www.absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And his work can be found on Drive Through RPG under Critical Hit Publishing. Be sure to keep track of us on iTunes at rollupanddie.podbean.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, everybody, and as always, happy gaming.